You are connected, and you are listening to Specifically for Seniors, the podcast for those in the Remember When generation. Today's podcast is available everywhere you listen to podcasts and with video at Specifically for Seniors YouTube channel. Now, here's your host, Dr. Larry Barsh. Ageism, according to the World Health Organization, refers to how we think, feel, and act toward ourselves or others based on age. It affects people of all ages and exists in our institutions, our relationships, and ourselves. Many of us have experienced the effects of ageism as an older adult in the workplace, in a hospital, in public places, in a nursing home, and in both the media and entertainment industries. Specifically, Fasinias has talked about ageism with Carl Honore and Ashton Applewhite on previous podcasts. Today, our guests on Specifically Fasinias are the co-founders of the Old School Anti-Ageism Clearinghouse. The Old School curates, creates, commissions, and disseminates free resources to educate people about ageism and how to end it. We've met Ashton Applewhite on a previous podcast. Ashton is a co-founder of the Old School, and today I'd like to introduce the other co-founders and learn more about the Old School. Kyrie Carpenter was trained as a therapist and works as a facilitator and public speaker specializing in ageism and dementia. She is editor of the Changing Aging blog, author of Healing Dementia, and is adjunct faculty at USI and Pacifica Graduate Institute. Ryan Becker is an age activist, public speaker, and self-proclaimed old person in training. Ryan was a fellow with Boston University's Center for Anti-Racist Research's Anti-Bigotry Convening. Ryan does care work, organizes inter-age events and groups, and writes zines and sits on the board of two community-based nonprofits. Ryan has an undergraduate degree in gerontology with a minor in Black Studies from New York College, City of University, New York. Thanks for coming on and welcome to Specifically for Seniors. Thanks for having us. Thank you. How did you guys come together? How did the old school develop? Well, uh, it started on a curb in Berkeley. Ashton was giving a talk there and um, I was living in the Bay Area and so in San Francisco, so popped over and she was like, what are you up to these days? Uh, I have had this idea I've really wanted to do for a while. If I just wish that there was a central repository for everything 
anti-ageism out there. I feel like that would really help the movement to have a one-stop shop, if you will, of all the best anti-ageism resources. Um, you want to help me with this? And I said, sure. Uh, and then we kind of, as we started digging around, realized it was it was going to be a little bit of a bigger project than we thought. And and so then she said, you know, I've been really wanting to look for an opportunity to collaborate with Ryan. Um, and that's where they sort of got looped in. And I'll pass the story baton over to them to take it from there. Yeah. So when Curie and I first met, uh, Curie said, did Ashton tell you, you know, did Ashton give you any direction? And I said, no. And and I said the same thing. Did Ashton give you any direction? And Curie said, no. And so we kind of went in and, and started to sort of manage ourselves and finding all the different resources that we could, or rather I helped uh, continue to find the resources that Curie had started to find and that Ashton had helped compile too. So we really started to dig in deep, you know, into the internet, find whatever we could. And we ended up coming up with about 74 resources. And at first we said, okay, we have this list. How are we going to uh, introduce it to the world and Kyrie suggested a website and so we built a website and launched it without really expecting much we just thought you know we've done this work we want to share it with other people that's the point uh, but the response that we got was just so surprising um, it was really positive you know people obviously wanted more and it was you know within those first few days that we launched that we realized, oh, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and and keep making this better. And we've been running ever since with the idea and, and just adding on to it uh, every chance we can get. Yeah, I think since we, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just say since we started in 2017, we, we haven't ever gotten to a stagnant place by the time we finish one website update or one new offering, we already have an idea for another one. So it is a ever evolving beast. Kyrie, what got you interested in ageism and what's your special area of interest? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think my first sort of uh, run in with ageism was actually when I was 22 at the dermatologist office and the dermatologist recommended prophylactic Botox. So, you know, that's getting Botox before you get wrinkles so that you don't ever get them because um, you don't, you know, make the expressions that would cause them. And I was really sick as a kid, which I think Lady Elsie also gives me a high level of empathy for your abilities not matching people's perceptions of you. Um, but I also just didn't really want any extra time in a doctor's office. And so that was really the first time that I sort of came up against it. And then thankfully, I actually saw a blog Ashton wrote um, about a artist in Israel who was making jewelry out of her wrinkles. And it really just flipped my perspective on if her wrinkles could be jewelry, like why did mine have to be medicated away? And so I feel like that was the first, you know, really personal run-in I had with, you know, the intersection of ageism and sexism there around um, women's appearances. And then, you know, went on and lived my life. About a decade later, I was in grad school and I was working as a therapist um, with folks in long-term care living with dementia. And I realized there too, that the, the people I was working with didn't match up to the stereotypes I held and that that was a really toxic form of ageism and ableism intersecting. Um, and that's when I started talking and teaching about this because I was like, well, if I just didn't realize it, maybe other people just haven't realized it. And uh, I'm still sort of on that quest. So that's definitely my, my way in is around that intersection of ageism and ableism that happens with dementia. I feel like there's so much we can learn from the experience of dementia with also 
I think I also have a healthy dose of, as Ryan calls themselves an old person in training, I call myself a crone in training. But I think particularly at that intersection of ageism and sexism, we, we need to train to become the crones that this world needs. <laughs> and Ryan, same question to you. Sure. So what got me involved was when I was in my early 20s, I looked around and I realized that my friend group was made up completely of people my own age. Um, And that sort of started me on this quest to figure out why. And when I started to do that, I kind of fell into this way of thinking about uh, the world where I saw that there was just a lot of segregation between ages and I wanted to know more. I wanted to know why uh, that was. So I decided that uh, when I uh, went to college, uh, that I would study um, gerontology. Uh, and when I started to st- study gerontology at York College, uh, in my first gero class, uh, they talked about ageism. And so it was then that I started to sort of see so much uh, ageism around me and so much ageism that I experienced growing up not as a younger person, but I mean, obviously as a younger person, but ageism against older people um, that I basically perpetuated um, and was also, uh, I would say in some ways a a victim of being that I didn't get to spend um, as much time with my grandparents as I could have because uh, I was focused on, you know, other things. And and looking back, I, I really regret that time that I missed with them. And just the time that I missed with, you know, other people, older people in my community that I sort of, uh, it was, it, it, I realized that it was a disservice to me um, to, to have not had more time with them. Um, and so that really started to get the ball rolling. It was that first semester 10 years ago that I went to see Ashton speak. Um, and I, you know, really started to deeply think about aging, ageism. Um, and it, it, it's just been something that I've been working on ever since. Ageism seems to be a more acceptable form of bigotry than, than racism or anti-Semitism. Why do you think that is? Well, I'll jump in and say that I think maybe, you know, considering our backgrounds, we might think that it's more acceptable. I think there are definitely some parts of the culture where that's not necessarily the case. Um, So that's why it's important to talk about intersectionality when we talk about ageism, because obviously it's connected with a lot of other isms, like a lot of other forms of bigotry. Um, I think there is a universal nature of aging um, that makes it a little bit more murky when we're talking about it. Everyone has an age. Uh, ageism can be both against younger people and older people. Um, so that that gets confusing because there's no in-group or out-group. Um, so it's really, you know, it's not a cut and dry form of bigotry when it comes to thinking about these kinds of things. And then, yeah, obviously, like I said, like we I, I am very hesitant to compare it um, to other isms in that way, where I don't think this should be, you know, a hierarchy of oppressions or anything like that. I think we can talk about um, the harms that ageism does on its own without necessarily comparing it to other isms. And then we can also talk the, about the ways that all of these oppressions work together um, as a person ages. 
to to basically yeah take away privilege and an opportunity for so many Kyrie, do you have anything to add or I think Ryan hit most of the points. So this is something, I will just say, this is something that the three of us, Ashton, Ryan, and myself, are in conversation about a lot because age is so different than, you know, the other identity factors um, with the bigotry centers around in that exactly as Ryan said, just highlighting the fact that we all have an age and we're all experiencing age bias and age privilege every day of our life. And so it really is, we like to talk about it of, I think what's something that's really powerful about age um, as far as undoing bigotry is that for folks who have experienced a lot of privilege in other parts of their identity, it might be the first form that they're gonna experience of any kind of negative bias. And so I like to call it a little bit of like a gateway-ism, if you will. Um, you can really build empathy that way. We we all had the experience as a child, you know, of being told we can't do something that we knew we were capable of. Many of us have had the experience of not being taken seriously in the workforce because of our age, um, you know, or getting older, especially for people who didn't have those experiences. By the time you're getting older, there's those experiences of ageism. And when we can tap into how that feels um, in our own self, it can help build empathy for these other forms of bigotry and can help us, you know, sort of raise awareness of why they're harmful and what to do about them. But I think it is just age compounds with all of them and then even thinking about the fact of how much um if you've experienced other forms of oppression throughout your life it shortens your lifespan you know ageism shortens our lifespan as well but so does you know so do so many of these other forms of oppression and i think that's a really important part of the conversation of to be able to grow older is not um an opportunity that everyone has where do you find um ageism being most prevalent in the older group or in the younger group or pretty equal? That's a good question. I mean, that's, you know, it's interesting to think about where it's more prevalent. I think there's definitely something to be said for the longer you've been exposed to ageist messaging without being aware of it and undoing it, the more bias you're going to have. Now that I can't say if that's older or younger, because there are plenty of older people who've been aware of ageism, you know, since the time of Robert Butler that have done a lot of their own work on doing bias. Um, and there's a lot of younger people who aren't aware of their ageism, right? So I'm not gonna be able to put it on a timeline there, but I, I would say you definitely had more opportunity to uh, absorb ageism the longer you've been on the planet. Um, but we really see it everywhere, especially even, you know, what's so interesting about too is the ageism, internalized ageism. So ideas that we have about what we can or can't do because of our own age um, makes it really hard to sort of uncover and get sticky. Uh, but I think, I mean, you really can see it everywhere in the workplace. It's really damaging um, as far as like co building communities. It's really damaging. Definitely see it in the media. Um, I would say it's pretty universal. I don't know, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, and I I think obviously like for women, it's a lot harder. And so when you have younger women who think, you know, that their lives are over because they reached a certain age, whether that's, you know, 25 or 35, you know, it happens at, at sort of every life stage. Uh, people start to, you know, bemoan the, the, the experience of growing older. 
Um, and that's that's definitely ageism. It's embedded in, in every stage of our culture. So I think comparing, you know, ageism against younger people or ageism against older people is, you know, we can talk about how media represents younger and older people or how um, institutions treat younger and older people. Um, but I think also just talking about how people treat themselves based on their own age across that lifespan is also really important. Um, but I think, you know, you could consider uh, the, the, you know, legal age limit of being 18. Uh, or, you know, I have friends who rent U-Hauls when they're in their early 20s because of the whole rule, the law around not being able to uh, rent a car at 25 until unless you're 25. Uh, under 25. So it's, you know, it's, it's this, um, you know, it's the way that society is structured that at every age, uh, there are limitations, um, whether it be social, whether it be legal. Um, and so, yeah, part of undoing ageism is questioning why that is, why do those limitations exist? Is it because of age? Or is it because of some other um, limitation that that we need to look at? So it's really, um, really important too that we bring that up. Do you find that people in my generation are the worst offenders of ageism? Do we do it to ourselves? I think those are two different questions. So the, the answer that, well, I feel like the answer to the first question is you'll notice with us, we think about this stuff a lot and it's very, very nuanced. So there's no good soundbite answer for this. Um, we, I know Ryan shares this viewpoint, and so does Ashton's written very eloquently about it, that we find generational labeling to be ageist in and of itself to assume that, you know, a whole cohort of people because of their birth year share some sort of similar overarching, you know, that's a, you can see where it's problematic in the okay boomer phrase to assume that everyone in the boomer generation doesn't care about the planet, even though many of them were there starting the environmentalism movement sort of shows where this generational labeling can get trapped. So I'll say too, like we, Ryan or I wouldn't even refer to people in your generation um, as a thing. Uh, but the second question of, do we do it to ourselves? I think absolutely. And the, we can see that again, the longer that we've been unconscious to all of the ageist messages that we are absorbing, the more ageist we are going to be. Um, so therefore the older you are, the more opportunity you have to be ageist, I would say. But that doesn't mean that all olders are I, I think rephrasing that, <laughs> uh, do people in my generation behave like we think we should behave rather than the way we really are? That's really, that's a tricky question. I don't know if I could answer that. What's coming up for me, of course, is is just the I'm going to assume your age here and just the, the the cultural movement, you know, that happened in the 60s and 70s around youth. You know, I think it was a huge movement that was centering youth and, you know, a phrase that my dad, you know, I heard my dad say all the time was that he knows from that time was, you know, don't trust anyone over 30. Um, you know, it was like a common way to talk about older people back then. And I think, you know, part of part of the work that I want to do is changing this idea for younger people, changing the um, the inherited attitude that that younger people have about older people. 
Um, now, have older people inherited a way of talking about younger people that's negative as well? Probably. I don't know if I'm the right person or, or you know, if younger people are the, the right people to sort of change that way of thinking. I think, you know, from the history, from, from, from early history, there's always been um, sort of a, many, many assumptions made about groups of people based on them being young or old. Um, I think, you know, part of our work is to, is to challenge that, but also I think there are, um, yeah, there are opportunities to really question, you know, why, why are we operating in this way? Um, why, you know, what, what, where are there, where are there opportunities to really, um, connect across, uh, different ages and, and start to, to realize that like, yeah, we all have a life course, you know, we all have this privilege of aging. Um, so what, you know, what are, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be su super negative about it? Maybe some people will be, but chances are they're negative about everything else in their life, you know, and will some people be really positive about it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Will some people be realists? Absolutely. So I think, I don't think we can, yeah, make blanket statements about um, entire groups of people based on when they were born when it comes to this. It's just a matter of maybe changes that happen across the, the lifespan and, and whether or not those changes are significant enough to like actual, actually make stereotypes and generalizations about or if there's something deeper within that. I think to just sort of add on to that, I do feel like maybe answering a little bit more of your question coming out from a different angle is there are a lot of ageist ideas that we have that cause real damage for olders. Um, so even the idea of you can't teach an old dog new tricks, um, you know, that sort of ageist saying is really damaging when if we internalize it and think that there is an age after which we can't learn or change or grow. Um, and that's not backed up by science, both our our minds, um, we can continue to learn uh, throughout our entire life and even our bodies, we can continue to gain muscle mass and strength, we can get stronger um, until the very, very, very end uh, of our lives. And there's um, a colleague of ours, David Wilson, who's at uh, on Instagram, he's a personal trainer, and he's at Old's Cool Moves. So it's like old is cool moves. It's very similar to our name. Um, but he talks all the time about this principle in personal training called the said principle, which basically means that our bodies adapt to what we ask them to do. So if we're sitting a lot, our bodies get better at sitting, but that means that they get worse at standing and at moving laterally. And, and so this, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. The idea of older people are meant to be sedentary or meant to be in the rocking chair. These were the ageist stereotypes cause real physical and mental harm when we believe them and then don't ask our body to move in ways that we want to don't continue um you know to develop muscle mass and to move in ways that are healthy and for both our brain and our body so i think maybe that's pointing a little bit more um at what you were thinking about larry too is when we have that internalized ageism it it really can dramatically affect our quality of life and the length of our life some of the new research is shown to become cognitively fit you must teach old dogs new tricks you must stress yourself to learn something that you've never known how to do yeah the same for cognition and for falling so 
if you're trying to do fall prevention, one of the best things you can do is learn to move in a way that you've never moved before. Um, you know, so if you've never done Tai Chi, do Tai Chi. If you've never done, you know, a certain kind of dance, do that like that. Again, that getting your body and your mind to work new neural pathways, new ways of moving. Um, yeah, is really protective. And, and again, that you can't teach old dogs new tricks gets right in the way of us thinking that that's possible. Let's get talking about the old school website. First, what is the web address? How can people find you? So it's oldschool.info. So www.oldschool.info. I've been to the site. There is so much information there. Where does one begin? What's the starting point? Yeah, we've grown. So we started off with 74 resources and we're at the point where we have over 400 now. So yeah, definitely uh, easy to get lost in. So we realized this and we uh, added a new feature recently. Uh, so if you go to the main page in the top right hand corner, there's a button uh, that says new here, click me. So Kyrie can show you. Um, and so that says new here, click me. So Kyrie can show you. Um, and so you go to that and you can uh, see some tips for navigating the site. And then uh, below that, we have some, uh, some yeah, some different lists of resources uh, that we've compiled depending on, you know, what you uh, are interested in learning about uh, or, or in what form. Um, so there's tools, uh, reports and papers, books and blogs, campaigns, talks, videos, organizations, podcasts, and then our newest section is the events. Um, so can you briefly describe what's in each of the, uh, sections? Sure. So each section has, uh, I don't know, I'd say around like average maybe 30 resources some have more some have less um and yeah some of them have descriptions at the top uh that explain uh exactly what they provide for tools uh that's our our broadest category so anything um you know it's it's far ranging so we have anything from poems uh to guides that people can use to the workshops that we create um, the DIY workshops that anyone can go on and, and present. We have um, different, uh, we have really unique, the, th the thing about aging and, and talking about ageism is that it's really, everyone's affected by it. And so, you know, we have all of these different uh, ways to, to look at this topic. So for instance, I see right now growing up and growing older books for young readers, um, or we have, you know, ways to talk about ageism in relation to health um, or in relation to being a woman. Um, so there's really just different resources for each one. And then as you can see, uh, there's a resource page uh, for each one with a description and ways to share it. And then below there's um, similar resources, whether it's the same resource creator that made all these resources or um, whether they're similar, you know, we have a lot of different languages, 
so we have Spanish resources that you know you can go to and and see all the different Spanish other Spanish resources in the don't miss section. Um, the difference between talks and videos is that talks is you know since COVID we've had a lot of uh, a lot of different presentations um, online. So a lot of these are online. Some are in person. So uh, yeah, there's different TED talks. Um, there's uh, just different, really great presentations on a, a, a ton of different uh, topics. Uh, and then the videos section is more uh, animation, more edited, short films, um, really diving deep into uh, what ageism looks like. Some of them are actually really creative. Some of them are shorter, some are longer. Uh, a World for All Ages is a really good one. It's a a short one put out by the World Health Organization um, within the past few years that's that really hits home. Um, and as you can see, you know, we have contact information for a lot of the different resource creators um, also that we provide. And then some of the resources have even uh, longer descriptions based on whether sometimes we have um, pages for individuals, sometimes we have um, yeah, pages sometimes even, you know, people don't really have anything else uh, on the web other than their uh, resource that they're providing to old school. So we can use the description section to say a bit more about them um, and why they're doing the work that they do. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot, you know, like I said, there's all together, there's over 400 resources now. So it's, it's growing. Um, we've had to to weed some out over the years. Um, either they've been taken down or uh, they've been, uh, you know, our criteria kind of uh, narrowed over the years. So we've taken them out because of that. And then you can see yeah, on the homepage, we have uh, all the brand new resources uh, every month or sometimes every few months, depending on how many we get that we share right on the, on the homepage. And you have some live events coming up? Yeah, we every week uh, we have office hours, which is a really great opportunity for anyone to join us who wants to talk about ageism. Uh, it's very casual. Uh, like, yeah, it says here Wednesday, every Wednesday, 1.30 Eastern time. Um, usually the three of us, the co-founders, are, are on the call. And we, you know, explore topics that are different every week, you know, the the community comes and and we really let the the participants decide what they want to talk about and what direction they want to take um, the 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 meeting to. Um, we try to focus on we try because there's so many great resources on old school. We also uh, tend to sometimes uh, highlight a resource um, at the beginning of the call and then uh, at the end of the call. Uh, we usually ask if there are any community announcements, if there's anything that anyone uh, wants to promote that they're doing in the next week or, or coming weeks. And that is on Zoom and open to yep. the public? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, is there a link where people who are interested? Yeah, so you can go to contact and then at the bottom, uh, the link to uh, to join is there to register for the Zoom call. There certainly is a lot of information there. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's definitely a labor of love. As older adults, we we tend to get stereotyped. Sweetie, honey, age is just the number, 90 years young, golden years, and my absolute favorite, you'll enjoy using the Jitterbug Flip 2, our easiest cell phone ever. All ages comments. How can we as individuals do something about this? Yeah, you know, when we're talking about any kind of change we want to make, the first step is always awareness. So right now, listening um, to us have this conversation is doing something about it. You know, that's the first step is um, coming up with your own awareness and then um, you know, especially a lot of those that you mentioned are the, the ageist compliments and they're meant, you know, sometimes really well, you look great for your age, you know, that's meant as a compliment or they're meant to be funny, um, you know, but it, it reinforces these ageist stereotypes, which we've already talked about the problematic nature of. And so um, in our workshop, Let's Dismantle Ageism, which as Ryan mentioned, there's a free DIY kit you can give the workshop yourself. Um, and we give it as well, but we have in there three strategies for responding to, to the ageist compliments. Um, and so I'll share those briefly. And, and we really suggest practicing them with, you know, a friend or a loved one, because we've all had that experience of someone says something to us and then we are like, oh man, I really wish I'd had the right response in the moment. You know, at 4 a.m. we come up with the right thing we wish we'd said back. So it can be really helpful to practice our responses. So all right, we're noticing that ageism that's coming up for ourselves, right? We're raising our own awareness. Then step two kind of is when you're out in the world calling, um, you know, naming ageism when you see it and in a kind way that helps raise everyone's awareness. So um, the first sort of strategy we'll offer is anytime someone uses the term young or old or, um, you know, sweetie or you look great for your age, one way you can respond is just with genuine curiosity, asking them what do they mean? So I've had great conversations come up when someone says they're too old for something. And I just genuinely like get a look of really true curiosity, like, what do you mean too old? And then a conversation starts and usually they mean something different. And a lot of times I feel like this has come up in the context of physical activities and they mean like, I don't want to risk hurting myself doing this today because I want to be able to do it tomorrow. You know, I don't want to do something that is, that is too risky or if it's, you know, I'm too old or young for that haircut, then we can have a conversation around why the haircuts have ages. Um, and does that say, look, you want to get the haircut, get the haircut, you know, kind of we can celebrate that together. So that's strategy number one is just ask, what do you mean? Strategy number two, um, I would say is responding, sort of repeating it back with uh, humor. So, oh, sweetie, let me help you with that. Oh, thanks, sweetie. I'm okay. It's going to just put the person going, Oh yeah, why did I call them sweetie? They're not my, I'm not their sweetie. They're not my sweetie. We're going to realize that that's elder speak. It's actually demeaning and infantilizing. It just sort of brings up that awareness, but in a way that's um, calm and gentle um, or responding with pride is the last one. So if someone says like, you know, oh, don't worry about this birthday. 60 is the new 40. They're like, no, actually 60, 60. And I'm proud of all 60 orbits around the sun that I've done. Um, so those are three you know, so starting to, to name it when you see it. Um, and again, in a, we talk about calling in versus calling out in a way that invites conversation, not that starts shame, because shame's going to stop learning. Um, and I would say those are two really great steps, just raising your own awareness and starting to talk about in the world. And then come get plugged into old school. We have a bunch more things you could do. This is a, 
a question that we could go on answering for hours probably of all the stuff you could do. So what do you want my audience, the listeners, to know about supporting the old school and its work? Sure. So we have a support link at the top of every page, uh, which will bring you to a different page where, uh, of course, you can donate if you have any extra funds and you want to support our cause. Uh, definitely, you can do that. Uh, any contribution helps. And then uh, we also, like Kyrie said, we offer workshops. Um, so that's a lot of the, the way that we fund old school is through these workshop offerings. Um, so at that same support link, you can access uh, a, a PDF uh, that will explain all the different workshops that we can do. And we can also cater uh, certain workshops on certain topics for sure. Um, you could hire us to speak. Uh, you could hire us to consult. Um, and we also have uh, the give us input link um, will take you to a report card uh, going along with the school theme uh, that will allow you to give your feedback about what you want to see more of on the site, what you like that we're already doing. Um, and then uh, you could also, you know, submit a resource. We're always looking for more resources to add to the site. Um, we especially love it when people are willing to create uh, resources with the intention of having it up on old school. Uh, and we also love to uh, help collaborate um, in that way. And, and we really are drawn to projects big and small um, when it comes mm -hmm. to, to creating new anti-ageism anti resources. Just gonna, I was just going to say, yeah, just sort of double clicking on what Ryan said too, of, you know, our whole, the goal of old school is to catalyze you know, the movement to end ageism by providing free curated resources. Um, so it's both like we want to foster movement building and provide those resources. And so just using the resources is a great way to support old school. And we really are committed to providing a lot of stuff like the office hours and whatnot for free. And so if you do have an org that wants a workshop, as Ryan was sort of saying, one of the major ways that we fund being able to, you know, pay collaborators and keep the website up and whatnot is through, um, getting paid to give the workshops and then if but if your org doesn't have the money for it too like we said they're diy kits so they're free so we're constantly trying to sort of toe this line of we want all the resources to be out there and accessible um and then also trying to stay is secure. there anything we miss i think the last thing that i'd like to say is going back to your question about how individuals can combat ageism and i think the easiest way is probably something that folks are already doing and that's just spending time with people of different ages um, so when we spend time with people of different ages, it starts to sort of undo those biases that we have about, uh, you know, different ages and, and our own aging process. You know, if you have a 50 year old complaining about getting older uh, and how their life is over because they just reached that big milestone, maybe they should hang out with an 85 year old and see where they're mm -hmm. at. Um, so I really want to, to definitely support this idea of bringing all ages together. Like I said before, we do live in a very age-segregated society. So I think just um, breaking down those barriers is so important and talking about it in that way. Um, so we are oftentimes in mixed-age spaces, and that doesn't get talked about um, as a diversity factor. So I think, you know, one of my easiest hacks is anytime I'm in a space with 
of people of, of different ages, I bring that into the space. I say, I'm really grateful for the fact that we did uh, gather so many people of different ages. Or, you know, if there is some sort of demographic or, or age group that's missing, I'll call that into the room as well. And I'll start our question, you know, whoa, I wonder why there's not more younger people or, oh, I wonder why there's only younger people um, involved. So I think that's just, you know, an easy way to really, um, to, to really, yeah, combat ageism. Well, thank you both for being on specifically for seniors. It's been a pleasure, informative, and I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. If you found this podcast interesting, fun, or helpful, tell your friends and family and click on the follow or subscribe button. We'll let you know when new episodes are available. You've been listening to Specifically for Seniors. We'll talk more next time. Stay connected.